white women who will often ask, like, what can I do? Like, they, you know, they've, they've had an awakening, right? They're learning. They heard something. They want to know what they can do. And, and we've all probably been there. But what they really mean, what she feels like they really mean is, what can I do that won't cost me anything? And I think that if your awakening to the systemic oppression of image bears costs you nothing, then you're probably still sleeping. You're listening to Upside Down Podcast, an ecumenical conversation at the intersection of justice, spirituality, and culture. We've created this space with you in mind. So join us for unscripted conversations on God's Upside Down Kingdom. Welcome back to Upside Down Podcast. I'm Kayla Craig, and I can't believe this podcast is still happening. (laughs) It feels like it has been so long since we have been able to sit down. I'm so excited to have y'all with me. Y'all, I'm trying my best Elisa here. So So, so I'm, I'm Kayla. I'm one of the founders of Upside Down Podcast, along with Lindsay Wallace, who is here with me today. And Lindsay, we have some exciting news about, I've already kind of spilled the beans on who's on the call, but (laughs) we asked two of our co-hosts to stick with us. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We did. <laughs> you know, Lindsay, she's a woman of many words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. And it's great. So, <laughs> so Gina and Elisa, do you want to just like give a quick introduction of yourself again to our listeners who um, just refresh our memories? Who are you guys? What are you doing? Uh, yeah, sure. Hey, I'm so excited that I've been asked to uh, come back. It was such a great experience. Um, I am a mom from Texas. I've got five kids and I learned so much uh, listening to the podcast that uh, I just am so ready and excited for the topics and to continue learning. I'm I'm so ready. So glad to have you, Elisa. We learn a lot from you. So yeah. 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 Completely agree, Elisa. So I'm Gina. I live in the Bronx. I work for the Dominican Sisters of Hope, who are a group of Catholic sisters, uh, also known as nuns. And I also am excited to be here. Um, And I'm just thrilled for what's coming this season. We have some intel on that, and it's looking really good. Spoiler alert. So we're kicking off season four four of Upside Down Podcast. And before we dive in a little bit about what we're going to be talking about this season, as Gina said, it's it's some good stuff. Um, I wanted to just kind of like catch up for a minute. We've all been like running around in our perspective parts of the country. And this was actually Lindsay's idea, which it sounds like a Kayla idea, but it's actually <laughs> a idea. It's a really good idea. <laughs> It is. it is. So, Lindsay, do you want to share your idea of like getting everybody back together and kind of catching up? Yeah, yeah. Well, since a few months have passed, I just thought it would be helpful for us to share in three words your summer. So, explaining, kind of summing it up. Um, what would you say about your summer in three words? I'll go first. I've had a great summer. Summer is my favorite season. This is great. Yeah. So, my first word is bike. Because I got my first bike as an adult this summer, um, and it was a birthday present nice. that came like two months early. So I've been riding my bike. It's been really fun. It's purple. Um, 
<laughs> and another one is family because I have spent a bunch of time with family this summer and some with family who I don't get to see a whole lot. That's been a really good gift. And I'm with family right now. Uh, well, at the time of this recording um, in Minnesota fishing. And my other one is transition because I have like some potential transitions coming up. My roommate moved out. I don't know who's moving in. Um, and I'm just like trying to think, I don't know, critically about like my job and job prospects. And I don't really feel like I know what's next in the fall. So by the time this airs, it'll be interesting to see where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I love that. I love hearing that perspective from your stage of life and just what's going on. And I feel like summer definitely suits you. It suits your personality. <laughs> oh, that was nice of you. Thanks. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll go. One word that came up to me right away was I was thinking tired, but then I went ahead and just like up the ante a little bit and picked like exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I, my, my kids are awesome. I have four of them. Um, some of them have, you know, different needs and some are very significant medical um, and developmental. And they were all home this summer, which was so fun. But also I was working 25 to 30 hours a week this summer with them home. So it was a little bit of chaos. So that yeah. my first word was exhausting. But second word is probably gratitude um, because we did have slivers of time that it was just our family and we were able to get away go to a lake um and it was a trip we had been planning since Eliza was sick and in the hospital and just felt very grateful and something that I don't think I'll ever take for granted again and that sounds like really hokey to say but it really I remembered being in that hospital room thinking will we make it to summer you know so that was just very grateful in that way. Um, and the third one is a fun one and it's just reading. I love summer reading. I've been like, my favorite thing to do is to put books on hold online at my library. And then all I have to do is waltz in and the books are waiting for me. And I get the, you know, the library receipt that's like, you've saved $700. And I'm like, yes, I have. <laughs> Feels well, like I'm winning. <laughs> that's awesome. Kayla, when you texted me about books, it like made me so happy. <laughs> then I told all my friends, I was like, Kayla is also reading where the crawdads sing. Like, so are we. And, yeah, it just made me super happy. <laughs> I am always here for book conversations. Like always. I, I will let the laundry pile up if you want to talk about books. So no shame. <laughs> Well, laundry doesn't make you smarter. That's true. That's right. Thank I'm you. I'm going to have to spread that we, that information yeah. to the people in my house. <laughs> I, I'll go ahead and go. Um, my first word is Boston. Uh, my husband has always wanted to go to Fenway. So for his 40th, I surprised him and we went to Boston this summer and we took in a game and we hung out and we ate a ton of food and it was as amazing as it sounds. So definitely Boston is my, is my word. I want my first word. Um, and then the second word is sleep, uh, in the summer, because my husband is a teacher, he's home. We, uh, take turns, uh, with the morning responsibilities. And so every other day, one of us gets to sleep until we want to wake up, which is, it's fabulous. That's amazing. It is. It, but you know, it's, uh, it's taken a while to 
to get here. And then the last one is, is goodbye. Just because, um, I've said goodbye this summer kind of to a phase of my life. My kids are all, um, school age. And so we got to spend a lot of time and I got, I got to spend time just kind of, you know, transitioning into this newer season of my life. And so, uh, so yeah, goodbye to little kids where there's babies or were, uh, and now we've got, we've got big ones. So it was a great summer. That's nice. Um, my first word is clarity, because um, I think we talked at the end of last season, just a transition that my family has been in this year. And I feel like um, the summer, particularly, well, not particularly, partly because I pulled away from social media for the summer. And so that creates a lot of headspace and other kinds of space that allow just for some things to come into focus. Um so that's my first word, clarity. Uh, and then my second word is rootedness, um, because part of that clarity was our family deciding we're going to put roots down in the city that we've been in since January. So we bought a house, moved in, and are starting to think about, like, what does it mean, you know, to put some roots down here and to really be here for the long haul? Um, and then my third word is visitors because we had a ton of people visiting us. Um, it's funny because we didn't have any visitors from like January to June. And then all of a sudden, July and August has just been packed with somebody driving through or people coming intentionally to see us. Um, and so that was just really fun and life-giving and encouraging. So those are my mm. three words. Mm. I love that. I feel like I learned something new about each yeah, one of you. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just want to briefly talk about what internally we have all been talking about and brainstorming and praying and thinking and, you know, spinning plates for for season four. And I think, Lindsay, what did you kind of call the theme of, of season four of Upside Down Podcast? Get your people. <laughs> so can you explain can you explain what that means <laughs> yeah I'm going to tell the story briefly behind it too because I told it to someone else today and it had an impact on them and it had a huge impact on me at the time so um, like I mentioned my family has been trying to figure out like what the heck we're doing with our lives and where we're going to live and where we're going to put down roots and so we had been meeting with some different pastors in the communities we had we had considered moving into and so we met with a pastor um, here in where we are, which is the west end of Louisville, Kentucky, and um, was someone who we weren't super familiar with, who was kind of, kind of an acquaintance. And so he didn't know us very well. So he was asking some really great questions, um, really honest questions about like, well, why do you want to live among the poor? And like, who are you and where are you from? And, you know, just really good good questions. And at one point towards the end of the conversation, I said, is there anything else like we didn't ask or that you think we should know? And he looked at us and he said, if y'all would just get your cousins and get your people, you wouldn't need to move to the under-resourced communities to do community development because equity would like actually be a thing. And it stopped me in my tracks then and it stops me in my tracks now. And what he meant by that was like, and he went on to kind of um, lay it out, but examples of like, if you would talk to your brother-in-law who's a police officer or your uncle who's a judge or your you know actual cousin who 
is working at City Hall or the people that you know in your family and in your life who have influence and are making decisions that are creating systemic injustice um, or perpetuating systemic injustice, then like your family wouldn't need to move here because we would have what we need and we wouldn't be (laughs) under the suppression that we are right now. And so it was, I think it's probably, I'm going to look back on that moment for years because it really caused me to pause and go like, okay, what am I doing and why am I doing it? And what responsibility do I have like as the person that I am, like in my skin, in my circles of influence, in the places that I've come from, like what is my responsibility to speak back to that in terms of like uh, what I have learned from the people I've I've been learning from for the past, you know, five to 10 years or whatever. So that's really where the theme, and so I started thinking through like, what does that look like for me in my life, like in my spheres of influence? And obviously for me, the podcast, Upside Down Podcast is a big one. And so as we were brainstorming ideas for season four, um, I shared that with you guys and was like, hey, this is an encounter that I had. And it's really, it's really causing me to think through, um, how I spend my time and who I spend my time, um, you know, engaging in these conversations. And so I think like moving forward, we have a platform and we want to steward it well. So what would it look like for, for us to think about getting our people (laughs) um, through upside down podcasts? So it's kind of where it came from. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, (laughs) we like getting you fired up, Lindsay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, I think we're going to hear a lot, a lot more of that in season four, if we're lucky. So, (laughs) yeah. So do you guys have, is there anything that we want, any breadcrumbs we want to kind of drop for what um, topics or themes our listeners have um, to kind of join us in conversation about throughout the season? I would say that when Lindsay first started explaining the Get Your People, I was not fully understanding what was happening. and as she explained it more, I kind of got it. But really, as we fleshed out themes, I feel like I'm there. And so for anyone who's listening, who's like, uh, I'm not sure that I follow, I would say clarity is coming and a lot of depth and important conversation is coming. Right. And I just would like to add that I think that we have been, um, you know, I think we've always tried to be, the podcast has always come across as intentional. And I think that we're really trying to pay attention to like who we're reaching out to and, um, where, where, where we want to learn and grow in, in, in that effort to get our people. Like we want to go to some experts in the field. And so I, I think without giving away too much, I think, uh, the guests that we have, uh, coming on, uh, will really be, will really be helpful in everything that we're trying to communicate when especially in that steward stewarding uh this well like Lindsay was saying yeah I'm excited because I think we have a good we've kind of changed the format up I mean we've changed it up a lot over the years um and where we've kind of landed for season four is to have a mixture of conversations that are the four of us really kind of fleshing things out and hashing out okay well what does this mean what do we think about it how does our faith impact our views and our actions 
And we're going to also bring in those experts Elisa was talking about. So I hope our listeners will get that sense of both. Like we're in the trenches with you. We're still figuring this out, but Hey, let's bring on this, this person who's an expert on this topic. And then we can all learn from them together collectively. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly right. And the topics that, that we're going to be bringing to the table are topics that we're hearing our people talk about like we're hearing people in our Facebook group talk about we're hearing our neighbors we're we're reading we're learning and so I think um maybe some of these conversations are not always had out in the open they're not always had on podcasts even (laughs) um and so we just want to say like you know what like we're gonna pull up a chair and we're gonna talk about it so I'm really excited and really glad to do that with you guys so let's go ahead without further ado and kick off today's topic um I'm really excited about it I have not heard this talked about often I have really have not heard this talked about in Christian circles um especially from the lens that we're looking at it at And the whole idea for this episode came when I was, well, I told you guys I read a lot this summer, but what I didn't tell you (laughs) is I also did a lot of Netflix. (laughs) And and I happened to see actually Justin McRoberts, who was a guest last season, and we all were like, oh my gosh, he's great. And I saw that he posted in his Instagram stories about um, a stand-up special that was new on Netflix. And he's like, this was really thought provoking. It was really, um, really good. I was surprised. And then he said it was Aziz Ansari. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, isn't he a creeper? Like, why are you watching him? Um, but anyway, I was folding laundry and then decided to give it a try. And I was really surprised um, the content that he had. And, you know, I didn't love every joke, whatever, but some of his social commentary really struck me. So, of course, after I listened to it, I sent all of you guys a Vox, <laughs> a message on Voxer, and I was like, go watch this. I really need to like process this. Um, and without further ado, we have this episode. So I guess what, (laughs) and there it is. Um, What really struck out to me was that he is, Aziz Ansari is a person of color, right? Um, And he talks about white people and his white friends and kind of white people on Instagram, like gaining points like Candy Crush for wokeness. And like racking up high scores um, every time they like do an Instagram post that's like woke. Like if they do a post about Colin Kaepernick, then they like get points. But then they fall back to zero when they like cross the street to avoid a black man. And he kind of talks about what he calls like destructive performativity, which that sounds like a big word, but it's really just like how bad it can be when we're performing this idea of like internet activism um, and not actually really caring and living out like what we're talking about. And he talks about, you know, like newly woke white people just wanting to get like pats on the back from other newly woke white people. Um, And then kind of, you know, goes on to there and we can talk about that a little more in the episode, but, for me as a Christian and as somebody who cares very deeply about 
um, you know, the way of Jesus and God's upside down kingdom. And I care deeply about um, justice and quote unquote being woke, which we can talk about that phrase and if we like it or we don't. Um, it really just kind of struck a nerve because I thought it was hilarious when he was talking about, you know, white people on Instagram because I know those people. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I am those people. And that <laughs> then I was like, that's less funny, right? Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, I I brought it up with you guys and I think maybe a couple of you also watched it. And so I just wanted to, we have not had a pre-conversation about this. So I honestly don't know what's going to come of it. Um, but I want to talk about it because I feel like maybe it's worth peeling back some layers and, and having the conversation. So enough of me talking. <laughs> what, what do you guys, how do you even like define the term woke? I think I feel a little bit like a, I don't know, a fraud to use that word. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's like what cool people do or, or if it's like a fad, but to me, um, to me, it's it's kind of like what you said. Like, I just I care deeply about people in general, and so I, I definitely don't you. I don't use the word woke. I don't think I am woke. I do think that I am. Um, I am awakening to to things I didn't know were kind of systemically uh, wrong in in the country. I think. Um, as a person of color, I kind of always knew that there was uh, things that weren't okay because I, I experienced them. Um, but I think as kind of I'm learning, I'm learning kind of the, the, the basis that is causing a lot of the injustice and the oppression. Yeah. I mean, to talk about the definition of it, like, at least it's interesting that without having thought like without having used that term that you've, you've kind of described it for us. Like, so in 1962, there was a New York times article called if you're woke, you dig it. And it was written by William Melvin Kelly. And the whole idea that he makes in the piece is that once, so he, he, he described it as a black word and it was a word that what he was talking about was black people, but people of color used because they knew their own experience. They were awake to what was happening um, in in their in their communities and in their in their world, but he says that once it's used to define certain aspects of blackness and that it was adopted by the white mainstream, the word was officially done. Is kind of like the argument that he makes in that piece. So, I think it's interesting that you were like attuned to that without maybe knowing the history of it. But in um, there was a 2017, a November 2017, past the mic episode where um, they talk about it. And I, I went back and kind of listened to that. And so they, they kind of lay it out as like the awareness of racial history and systemic and institutional manifest manifestations of racism and then pushing against the status quo. And so it's actually a really interesting. So Jamar Tisby and Tyler Burns, the two co-hosts of Pass the Mic, they don't agree. So it's really interesting mm-hmm. to hear them kind of argue back and forth on like, well, here's why I like the term woke and here's why I don't like the term woke. Um, but I think in general, I just think of it as like that, that awareness and kind of what you were saying, the awakening of, um, you know, the more systemic and institutional like 
like Jamar was saying, manifestations of racism. Um, and then where it gets interesting and where I think our conversation is going to go is the action piece, right? Like when you actually start pushing against um, versus the more performative aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Urban Dictionary, it this is like exemplifies what we're talking about. Like, so it has a bunch of definitions and one is for woke and one is the act of being very pretentious about how much you care about a social issue with the example being, yeah, most people don't care about parking spaces <laughs> for families with disabled pets. I wish they were woke like me. <sighs> and then another definition is a word currently used to describe consciousness and being aware of the truth behind things that um, a subsection of society doesn't want you to know, i.e. classism, racism, and any other social just- social injustices. The term comes from a genuine place, but is becoming overused. People mainly use it to sound like deep thinkers when actually they're just following a trend. Ouch. Um, yeah. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's... I mean, I will say I good. don't use the word woke insofar as, like, I don't say I'm woke, <laughs> Um, but I kind of use it mockingly. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. And like, I think kind of going into that question of like, do we use it? I mean, we've, uh, Kayla and I, at least for sure, have used it before in just like for mm-hmm. ease in common language, right? Like when we're talking about potential <laughs> guests for the podcast, it's like, so, hey, I know this white guy, but he's like, woke white guy, you know, yeah, like, cause it's like, that. what else, how else do you quickly and easily communicate like this person is safe. I think that's really um, like safe for our audience. Safe. Like I would, I would trust like this person to speak over, you know, to be, to be, have some authority, right. To like speak on things. And it's interesting in my, um, so in the summertime we do episodes for our patrons, for our Patreon supporters. And so in my, we call them B sides in my B side episode with Christy Davies, we talked about our feelings about the term Christian and also our feelings about the word missionary. And she talked about how she doesn't ascribe the label Christian to herself because she feels like she's a follower of Jesus and like people around her can sort of decide if she's a Christian or not based on her behavior and how well she loves them. And if she lives a life that looks like Jesus. And I was thinking about that when I was preparing for this episode and thinking about this term that I think, you know, this is another similar term where um, we can let other people like people of color decide like if we're safe, you know? And I think that's where this phrase gets tricky when we start ascribing it to ourselves, because I don't actually get to decide if I'm safe for someone else or not. Like their felt safety isn't up to me. And so I don't hear many people of color using this term. And I think that is very telling. Mm -hmm. I think that's exactly yeah. right. I think a lot of times it's like we're like peacocking, you know, like we're like puffing ourselves mm-hmm. up with like these words. But is anybody else? Would anybody else say that about us? You know, like what's going on there? That's really. I think I'm a little really bit. Interesting. I don't know. Maybe I'm just rose colored glasses. But I think once I started to realize that I needed to pay attention more. I I sought out people on social media platforms that were doing the work, right? So to me it I don't I don't think I come across a lot of people who are trying to get, you know, like 
I know, I know he was like jokingly saying it, but, but I'm sure he, like he, there, there are these people out there that are like, you know, I'm woke, I care. And then maybe they, they don't. But I, I think from my perspective, uh, once I really started paying attention, uh, the people that I'm trying to seek out, uh, they aren't these people that are trying to, to just, you know, put a, put a staged photo on Instagram and get a bunch of likes for, for being woke. I think maybe what the, what the issue is sometimes is that people don't know where to start. And I think for myself, that, that was part of it for me is, man, you just, you want to do something, but you, which you don't know where to start. And sometimes the easiest thing is just uh, thinking that you're bringing awareness to something when, um, sometimes that just rings real hollow. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting because, you know, like in my circles, um, you know, I follow a lot of authors and I follow a lot of, you know, thinkers and I know that they have beautiful hearts. Um, I don't think that their intent is to like consciously want to get likes for doing something good. But I think that our nature is that we see something and maybe it's something like, wow, we just experienced this beautiful thing or whatever it is. I want to share it. But then it ends up being a bunch of people leaving comments like, you're awesome. Good for you. Thank you so much. I want to share that. You know what I mean? And it becomes this way Mm -hmm. of platform building. Um, And I've like, I'm like speaking to myself like I've checked that and need to continue to check that in my own heart um so I think where I see it is not in the leaders not in like the people that you're talking about Elisa that's like you know the people that are doing the work and living it out but more like I don't know the people that are creating content based off of it if that makes sense I don't know Maybe I, I see that, that all the time with my job. Um, so it's been really interesting. So mm. I have a new boss and she's not a nun. She's a lay person and she's not Catholic. She's Episcopalian. And so having someone come into the organization who's not um, uh, just who hasn't been there before um, has been really interesting. And so my job is to promote the sisters um I don't know, with public relations, <laughs> including social media. And I have been asked to promote things that are kind of like, oh, like, yeah, sisters do good stuff. But I see my job more as telling their individual stories and talking about their lives and like their spirituality and their vocation rather than like, look, this sister is helping the poor. This person's really poor. This sister is a good person. This is great. And it's really hard to have that job and toe that line. And I think one way that it's come up recently is the sisters through, I didn't actually know this until recently, but through like connections that they actually built, they have um, connections with a group that per, that is a camp for children. And I guess some of the children are undocumented and most, if not all of the children are not white. And um, at the retreat house, there's an in-ground pool and the sisters invite the kids to like come up during the summer and use the pool for a day and they don't actually like do programming for them it's just an offer of space and um like that's something that I feel really strongly that we should not promote 
right? Because there's no good way to be like, mm-hmm. look, like these kids are swimming in our pool, like happy summer. Like there's there's no way to do it. And that's been a really big conversation in my office because there are people at work who think that that should be promoted. Yeah. Yeah. I think kind of what we're talking about is just another way for white people to say like not all white people, right? So like those posts that feel hollow or being able to promote like our good deeds is just another more slanted sideways maybe way of saying like, oh, not me, you know, Mm -hmm. when when things happen in our country or when somebody points out like, I don't know, any number of things to then retaliate or retort back with like, well, I went to this march for this or I did this thing or look, I'm posting about whatever hashtag. Like it's really just another way to say, well, not all white people, you know, um, which isn't helpful. (laughs) So I think, I mean, I think this episode and just the season in general is just how do we go beyond that? Mm -hmm. How do we push beyond uh, just the the kind of surface level um, slacktivism uh, that that is out there where it's just it's just easier for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, like there's we're inundated with so much that we want to stand up for or it just it just looks nice uh, to 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 say that we were at this rally or, you know, shake our fists at whoever everybody's shaking their fists at today. Um, how do we push beyond that uh, and and dig yeah. deeper? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Elisa. And it kind of brings me to another question. And that's just, you know, all of us are people of faith. And how do we stay rooted in what we believe to be God's truth? Like, how do we incorporate our faith um, and and belief in God's upside down kingdom and how can that help inform kind of like what you're saying, Elisa? So we kind of take a step back and say, wait a minute, just because I'm here, I don't have to, I don't have to post about it or I don't have to change a picture online. You know what I mean? Or like, how do we kind of, how does our faith inform some of these kind of more these questions that are kind of ambiguous in some way. And I think to make that even more complicated, how does our faith call us to tell stories, like our own stories? Because I don't, yeah, I don't, I think what Enzies and Sorry was getting at in this special is like this, like erasal of self and this idea of like, well, I'm white or I'm like privileged so I can never be good enough. And I don't think that's what faith does. Mm, that's good uh one thing that I've been thinking about in terms of of going deeper and and like the uh, kind of the whole thing faith and going deeper and all of it is I recently heard Rashida Graham Washington talking about white people coming to her and she said particularly white women who will often ask like what can I do like they you know they've they've had an awakening right they're learning they heard something they want to know what they can do. And and we've all probably been there, but what they really mean, what she feels like they really mean is what can I do that won't cost me anything? And I think that if your awakening to the systemic oppression of image bears costs you nothing, then you're probably still sleeping. And so that's where I think our faith 
I feel like we need a minute to like digest that. Right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's gonna be the that's gonna be the Instagram post for this episode. <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, be- and that's the faith piece for me. Like, it might not sound like it, but if I've truly become awake to the systemic oppression of other image bearers, but it doesn't cost me anything then then what? Like, what's it for? And that's kind of what I took from Aziz's piece was like, he talked about recently woke white people quoting statistics to people of color and the people of color are like, yo, I already know this is my <laughs> life. Go talk to the white people. Like, why are you yeah. telling me? I know about systemic oppression. I know about injustice. And I think if our understanding, if our newly found understanding of other people's daily lived experiences we learn about that and nothing changes in our life if it doesn't cost us anything then then what's it for and like how is our faith impacting that because jesus i mean there's so much to be said about this from jesus's perspective Mm -hmm. like the poor brown baby right like the the most vulnerable of all humans like look at our border right now like that's how God entered the world through the margins and to the margins went directly to the margins and, and amplified those voices and sat with them and said, tell me your bad news. I've got some really good news, but first let me hear your bad news. Let me sit with you. And so for us to be able to do that totally and completely imperfectly and to humble ourselves and to, as, as a middle-class white woman, like, it's got to cost us something because the gospel is costly because the good news of Jesus is costly. And if, if, if it's not costing us anything, then I don't think it's, I don't think we got it. I think we're still asleep. That's really good. It's interesting that you say that because, um, I think that that's exactly like the measure of love is, is that if it's going to, if, if we love, if we're really trying to love, then it is going to cost something. And, um, in, in my own thinking about this in my own awakening and my own trying to be, uh, like strategic, like, okay, Lisa, you can't, you can't do everything. So what are the things I, in the wake of El Paso, El Paso is my hometown. And so, um, in the wake of El Paso, I've really begun to pray about and think about what it looks like, uh, for it to cost something. Um, there's been a couple of decisions that one of the decisions that I made was a couple, like several months ago when I did find myself with like this, uh, this <laughs> going from, from topic to topic, outrage to outrage, posting and posting and having comments about things and getting mad at things and, and just getting exhausted just with myself and not feeling authentic. So I, I gave myself the rule that I was not going to communicate anything about any sort of injustice that I believe to be happening unless I first did one of three things, whether it was I had to either invest money in whatever it was, like donate to a cause of somebody who's already doing good work. I had to pray about it or I had to go volunteer my time. And if I wasn't willing to do one of those things and I wasn't, I didn't really care mm. about it. And so that is so good. So, so if you notice, I'm posting a lot. Anyway, it, it just <laughs> <laughs> it gave me the parameters to say, okay, you've got to figure out a way to move beyond the emotions and the heartbreak 
uh, and the sadness and, and find a way to invest in what you love and who you love, which is first Jesus and because Jesus, his people. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's so good. And it's so real too, because I was thinking earlier about times in the past where my actions could have been perceived as performative. And like I mentioned this summer, I wasn't on social media and there was literally a moment where I was going to take my kids to a rally And I thought like, oh, I can't post about this. Like I literally had that thought. And then that thought led to like, wow. So like, am I I really going to go if I can't post about it? And and what are my motives for showing up? Like if the internet won't see it, what are my motives for showing up? And then just to sit in that tension of our, you know, with ourselves um, is real. Mm -hmm. Which boils down to, all of it has to start with us. Like it has to be, you have to work on yourself first Mm -hmm. before you go. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Do you guys follow where change started uh, on Instagram? Yes. Uh, I really like that account because she gives, um, she gives state stages. She has four stages of becoming anti-racist. And the first one is awareness. The second one is education. The third one is self-interrogation. And then the fourth one is community action. So she extends this grace of like, hey, listen, you're not going to have it figured out right away. And also, this is lifelong work. Like, it's going to be mm-hmm. forever. If you really are invested and in, involved in this, you're going to be doing this forever. And I think when you have, when you're able to see like, all of the ways you've at least a few of the ways you've messed up in your own life or you're able to catch yourself in those moments and say what what am i doing then you're able to extend grace to other people and like some of us were talking about that article in new york times i was able to read it <laughs> I, I had to sneak around <laughs> cuz i was, i had read my limit but um about kind of like cancel culture and how it's like you mess up once and you're gone forever. And that's like, I just keep thinking like that's the antithesis of Christianity, right? Like if we're, if we're really following Jesus, we're like messing up all the time and like finding our way back to the Lord. And like if we can't extend any sort of love and sometimes that love has to look like a rebuke, right? Like sometimes that love has to look like speaking truth to power, do not get me wrong. But if we can't like be loving and kind and compassionate and it's just like you're you're not to my woke level, so like you're dead to me, then I then we've like missed it, right? Yeah. And that's the whole get your people thing, right? Like if if I can't extend grace to someone who is not where I am in the journey, like what what am I doing this for? Like what's the point, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I wouldn't be where I am if someone hadn't extended grace to me when I was, you know, right. Yeah. Not aware of things. Yeah. And we're, and like, we're all kidding ourselves if we think where we are right now at this time of recording is where we want to be and where we should be 10 years from now. Right. You know, like we're Mm -hmm. constantly in this, it's this, this growing and walking deeper um, with the spirit and, and with God. So I, Lindsay, when you were talking about kind of how we were thinking about season four, um, when you were telling that story, I've, I've heard you say it before, but something that caught my eye 
or cut my ear that I hadn't heard or paid attention to before was the fact that it was like, you know, talk to your cousin in city hall, like talk to your grandma that works at the library, whatever it is, because Mm -hmm. I have been realizing it's a lot easier for me to share something on the internet than it is to like sit down with a racist family member and try to have a conversation or, um, you know, a family member that might just not have given some of these ideas much thought at all. That's a lot more Mm -hmm. awkward than just throwing something out and, you know, having mostly an echo chamber be like, yeah, I agree. You know, like that's hard. It's not easy. And that's what it goes back to. Like, it's going to cost you something. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think um, getting our people to have these conversations is something that we need to be discussing more. Cause I don't think we actually know, like people have been, people of color have been saying, get your people, get your cousins for years, probably decades. And like most white people, like we don't actually know what that means. (laughs) We don't actually know what that looks like. That's not really modeled for us. And I think that's a conversation that we need to be having more is how do we decenter ourselves and amplify marginalized voices among our own people? And how do we get to the place where we're having these hard conversations about hard things by going first, by being humble, by creating safe spaces for the real life conversations, you know? And um, I think most of us just don't know how to do it. And so that's something I'm personally seeking out right now in my, in my real life is like, who, who is doing this? Well, how do I do those things? How do I, you know, we're, we're excited to be in a city where we have a lot of connections from sort of like our past life. And like, how do we bring those people to our neighborhood and create a safe space in our home to have some of these conversations where people don't feel like they're going to be canceled. um, And we can meet them with grace and humility and be like, yeah, we don't really know either. But we're gonna, like, here's what we've learned from our neighbors, or here's what I read, or here's what I heard. And Um, I just think we don't know how to do it and it's super scary and we don't have the language or the vocabulary for it because most of us didn't grow up in homes where it was done either, right? Like my parents never talked about race or let alone racism. So like we're all having to learn this um, as adults and so it's it's scary and and intimidating. As a person of color, like it's it's, it's even tricky when you're, you know, sometimes I feel kind of left out not left out of the conversation, but like, where is my place in the conversation? Because I, you know, I feel like I even have to figure out what my story is. Like, what is the story of, of a Texas, mm-hmm. a Texan? Like, where did, where did I come from? You know? Uh, and so it also is one of those things where you, where you don't want to, like you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. You don't want to say, "Hey, you know, white people, can you guys get your people?" Like because you don't want to. You don't want to. Uh, you know, you don't want to. Uh, as a as a person who has a you know plenty of white friends, you don't want to make it seem like this is you don't like you're trying to be divisive. You're just you're just saying that what I say is going to come off way way more different than if a, if it comes from your mouth, Lindsay. It's so different than if it comes from my, you just have that and you got that power and it is what it is. Right. And so when a white person, like it's it's so interesting 
anytime I get a personal DM on Instagram from a white person agreeing with the oppression, and generally it's going to be a, a DM. It's not going to be, they're not going to put it out in the world. But when I get a DM and they mm. say, you know, I agree with you, I'm so sorry, whatever, I just realize, I just, you know, if you, if you come out and you say it, it's so much more meaningful. It at least, it comforts us. We're like, oh, you get it. You understand. There's there's a mm-hmm. comedian. Her name is Amanda Seals. You don't need to follow her because if you don't, it's she doesn't. She doesn't. <laughs> she's not. She, she uses a lot of curse words or whatever. Yes, but but she does say, you know, there are white women and there are women who ha- happen to be white, and in her mind, those are the two. That's how she differentiates, right? You're either a white woman who <laughs> uses your power, whether you understand it or not, or you're a woman. You're just a woman who happens to be white, but you understand what it is to ha- to to have the privilege of that in in our country. Man, we could deep dive into so much of this. I mean, I would right? love to talk about like the deconstruction of whiteness because I'm that's what I'm trying to figure out right now. And what I'm thinking about, Elisa, as you're talking, is um at the gathering that we had a year ago in Chicago, Dominique Gilliard spoke to a room of predominantly white women. And he said, I don't often stand in front of a room of predominantly white women, but you all have to start owning the role that you have played in white supremacy. And that's another one of those things that someone said to me that like just stuck and hasn't gone away. Um, but it's so true. It's it's just true. It's it's fact, and we have to figure out what to do with it. Yeah, I'm just gonna leave that. This there. season should be fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and just want to underline like we're we're all learning. Like we're all in a process of paying attention, of learning, of looking at the past, and like you know face palm like I can't believe I did that or why you know why did I say that and then learning from it and you know apologizing if necessary and moving on right like yeah absolutely yeah like if you're listening and you're like oh no what have I done and oh like you know like we're not a podcast of shame we're a podcast of learning together and and walking through this together and you know sometimes that means doing a deep dive of, of hard topics but I think we can we can do it in like community and we can do it with each other and we can always fall back on you know scripture and the model of Jesus Lindsay like what you were saying and um, I find that very comforting uh, to know so a lot more yeah. to talk about I mean we had so many questions we didn't even get to which we should not be surprised at this yeah. point <laughs> but I want to invite anybody who's listening to further this conversation because just like what Lindsay was saying there's like about a hundred different offshoots <laughs> of, of, of topics that we could talk about and I think all of us on this call are continuing to think about this just because the episode is nearing a close doesn't mean we're not still thinking like this is an ongoing conversation and this is just the tip of the iceberg so if you want to find us on Facebook you can just search upside down tribe and um, somebody will let you in it's just a private group for our listeners and people bring really thoughtful conversations thoughtful questions 
thoughtful answers to questions, and it really runs the gamut of a lot of different perspectives, denominations, um, all that sort of stuff. So I always enjoy, even if I'm not able to answer everything, there's already like somebody else jumping in and saying something, you know, so (laughs) that's a really cool aspect of the group. But anything else that anybody wants to add before we finally close and say goodbye and until next time? (laughs) I just wanted to say that, yeah, I'm not sure who knows how to do, you know, conversations difficult conversations well. And I have a ton more to say about that. But if you're listening to this and you are like, yes, I know how to do this, or I know someone who knows how to do this, reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram or email or on our website. I think that'd be a really interesting thing to pursue. For sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Lindsay, before we go, you are our editor-in-chief of the Upside Down Low. I was just wondering if you could let our listeners know what it is that you work on every month that goes to um, our supporters' inboxes. Yeah, for sure. So the Upside Down Low is a monthly newsletter that is curated. um, And it's basically the four of us kind of pulling together articles that we've read that are interesting and intriguing and informing the upside down life. It's the books that we're reading, the podcasts that we're listening to, um, the things that are giving us life. There's um, examples of things that you can do to put your wokeness into action. Um, So it's just sort of a collaborative newsletter that goes out once a month for our Patreon supporters as a way of saying thank you for keeping the podcast up and running. It's such a bright spot for me. I love getting this newsletter. I love contributing to it, but I love getting it. (laughs) I get lost in it. Man, those links. Everything is so good. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to save that for later. So good. Yeah. It is for a month. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It is. It is. It is. All right. Well, that does it for today's episode you can always learn more about us you can see a little bit more about who we are what we do upside down and we are upside down podcast on instagram that is where we put our show notes and like i said before you're always welcome to join our listener group on facebook and until next time i'm kayla craig thank you so much for listening Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Upside Down Podcast. New episodes are released on the second and fourth Tuesday of each month. The Upside Down Podcast is created by Lindsay Wallace, Kayla Craig, Elisa Molina, and Gina Siliberto. Our show notes are written by Lana Smith. Johnny Craig and Tess Malone edit the episodes, and our theme music is Dreamers Act by DJ Sean P. And of course, our monthly patrons make everything possible.